We are in a study of First Peter that we are calling weird. The word there uh, points to that which is of supernatural origin, uncanny, unusual. And there ought to be, our lives as believers ought to be weird in a lot of ways. And um, we, we looked at, we're in verse 10 today of chapter 1, and I, I was reminded... Uh, this week was a little bit of an odd week for me. We, I had to prepare earlier in the week because um, I had to travel somewhere on, on Wednesday and come back Friday and just struggling with just the passage and putting it together and having to do it somewhat quicker than I would have liked and just hoping that um, I could do a good job with the, with pass, with the verses 10 through 12 and when I got home Friday, I, I picked up Bradley from school, and, and he, he okayed me to share this story, just in case you're wondering. But um, I could tell something was bothering him, and I was talking to him, and he said, Dad, can I, get, can I, can I share something with you? And I said, yeah, always, Brad. You know you can always talk to me and tell me. He says um, that he was... Uh, That he was, um, he was being kind of singled out at school because of some rules that Karen and I have and standards about games and video video games. And a lot of the kids there play games that that we just don't allow him to play. And they were, you know, tell them that was dumb and stupid and just, why would your parents do that? That didn't make sense and that's ridiculous. ridiculous. And, you know, as a parent, I'm struggling as he's telling me this because I, I want him to understand and I, you know, all the emotions are going through my mind. And, and we talked about it and I said, you know, Bradley, what, what are we studying in First Peter What's the word? And he said, it's weird. And I said, it's, it's weird. And we talked about what that meant. And, you know, I'm trying to, I feel like as a parent, I'm trying to justify myself and explain it to him. And that we as followers of Christ, we don't live the way the world lives. And we have different standards. And, and I'm trying, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just struggling as a parent. I'm a people pleaser and I love my son and. You hate to see him struggling or suffering. And Bradley looked at me, and as I'm talking, he said this. Sorry, I didn't know it would be hard to tell this story. Forgive me. He said, Dad, I trust you and Mom, and I know you're doing it for my good. And just like that, the justification, all, it, it made total sense. And I thought about what we look at today, and I thought about First Peter. Imagine if we approached our own lives and God and our own suffering and the things we battle through 
the way that Bradley just said, Dad, I, I trust you and Mom that you're doing it for my good. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it because it's for my good. And, you know, that, that as a parent, that was one of those high water marks. Now, there's low water marks. I fail a lot as a parent, trust me. But if he could just bottle that. And even what Peter is writing to his uh, audience here. Excuse me, I, get a I, didn't, I didn't realize that would be. Forgive me. You know, Peter is writing to a group of believers who are struggling, who are, who are suffering. They're being singled out. They're suffering simply because they're believers. They're suffering simply because they've been called by a great, almighty, awesome God to be weird, to be different. Because they're different, they're being singled out. And, and yet Peter, today, he, he has spoken to this numerous times, and today he answers their struggle by explaining to them the, the, to be in awe of who they are. Go back to your identity. Be amazed that you're a child of God. Be, be amazed that you've been adopted by grace through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ into the people of God. Go back, to, go back to what we saw in verses 1 and 2, your identity. Go back to what we talked about in 3 through 5, and that your resurrect, Christ's resurrection guarantees your own resurrection, and you'll be vindicated one day. Go back to verses 6 through 9 and what I've showed you in that. We don't focus on our circumstances. We focus on our identity. We focus on who we are. We focus on our inheritance and what is to come. And then today, Peter says, focus on the privilege. The, the word today is privilege. Are you in awe? Are you in, in awe? Are you amazed, believer, that you can call yourself a child of God. You ever find yourself just in awe of that, just overwhelmed by that, just amazed by that? I quoted First Peter, I mean First John three one. Oh, see how great a love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. That word, see how great a love, it literally means see what type of foreign love that you've been loved with. Be, be in awe of the uniqueness, the vastness, the amazing, I, the, the truth that God loves you. In spite of your sin, in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our animosity, in spite of us being enemies, in spite of us being haters of God, in spite of us deserving all the wrath due our sin, Yet while we were still enemies, Romans 5, 8, it says God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. While we were enemies. Understand, what today understand, I want to help us to understand, to, to grasp the, the amazement, the privilege 
that we have as believers to call ourselves the children of God. That, that we would, that I would be like my son and just say, Dad, I trust you. I trust that no matter what it is, I trust that you're good. I trust that you're, you're looking out for me, that what you have in store for me is good and that you're doing it for my good. And what Peter does here is in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, he says to a group of people, grasp the privileged position that you enjoy today. Living in a time of completeness, in that sense that the cross, what the Old Testament prophets and even the angels long to look at, you look at as a completed act, fulfilled in Christ's salvation. Be amazed at your salvation. Be amazed in awe of the privilege and wonder if you're a believer to call God your Father. Be, be amazed that, that at a God who would be never anything but faithful and did exactly what He said He would do. Even though it came through suffering, it culminated in glory for His Son. And you know what He's saying to these believers and He's saying to you and I? The path to glory goes through suffering, but understand you're privileged. In the midst of that suffering, you're privileged to call yourself a child of God. You're privileged to be looked back on a completed act, the cross, a completed act, the resurrection, and, and stand amazed in awe of experiencing redemption. What the angels know nothing about, they stand in awe. Understand, we'll see that in a minute. The angels stand in awe at redemption. Do, do you and I as believers, are we amazed at grace? Are we in awe of grace? Are we in awe, just again, that, that God would, would make a way for you and I to be saved? If we would be in awe of that, what Peter is saying is stand amazed at that. Understand the privilege and the suffering you have a father who look, who's looking out for you. You have a father who is good. I, I, I want us to, Peter I think is saying this, and I want us to walk away today from here amazed at grace. Understanding the privileged position that we have, how truly amazing grace is, that no matter what we face and in the midst of what we face, understand our privileged position. Be amazed. That God is for us and not against us, believer. Be, be amazed that He has given us the privilege of, of, of calling Him our Father and him, him calling us His Son and His Daughter. Be amazed at the inheritance, at the glory that is to come. Be amazed at grace. Look at verse 10. As to this salvation. Again, Peter takes everything back to salvation. The prophets who prophesied of the grace that, would to co that was to come to you would made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. 
think about this, things into which angels long to look. A couple of points just to help us to understand our privileged position. And the first one you see on your handout is this. By the way, if we have binders up here anytime we start a new series. If you want a new binder to put Peter in, if, if that's how you want to do that, Akeem, whatever Akeem leaves behind, you're welcome to take. I'm teasing. He started reaching for one. There are binders up here. Help yourself. But the first thing Peter says here for us and to understand our privileged position is our salvation is great because it rests in God's grace. He says, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to come. Everything Peter takes right back to salvation. Your identity, your salvation, that's the focus here. The the new identity that they have in Christ changed everything about their lives. Listen, salvation is the rescue. You see it on your handout. What do you mean by salvation? It's the rescue of God's creation from condemnation due our sin. We saw that in, in Colossians 1, 13, that he has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of marvelous light. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to serve, be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. Salvation is a rescue. Romans 8, 1, But now, for those who are in their Christ, there is no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ due to their sin. It's a rescue. And and in that, we must rejoice. In that, we must stand amazed. If we're honest, our, our tendency is to become complacent, is to forget, is to begin to think we were worthy or deserved it, or we've been saved so long. We're like, what really did He rescue me from? He rescued you from wrath due your sin. He rescued you from internal separation from Himself due to your sin. Be amazed. He rescued us from slavery due our sin, from the power of sin, the presence of sin, the, the punishment of sin. And, and all of that was grace. You and I are guilty of sin. Because we are guilty of sin, we deserve eternal condemnation, eternal uh, judgment. And yet God in His great mercy crucified His Son who was perfectly righteous so those of us who were sinners who because of our sin are totally unrighteous could be deemed righteous. Our penalty, the wage of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. Somebody had to die. And God poured out all of His wrath, all of His hatred, all of His condemnation towards the sins of the world on His Son so that He would be just and could be the justifier of those who place their faith in Christ. He could rightly forgive us of our sin. Why? Because the penalty was paid by Christ. Grace. He didn't just brush it under the rug. He didn't just pretend like sin never happened. He poured out His hatred and wrath on His Son. The substitute. Jesus stood in the place that you and I as sinners deserve to stand. He bore the wrath that you and I as sinners deserve to bear. He bore the punishment that we deserve. And and he, He took it as our substitute. 
I mean, when we really think about that, when, we, when we're mindful of that, you, you realize 1 John 3, 1, see how great a love the Father has lavished. I don't, know that we, I don't know that we're capable of comprehending that kind of love. I think that's part of the wonder of, of Christianity and discipleship, and for all eternity, we're going to learn and try to comprehend the love of God. I mean, be amazed at grace. Grace, undeserved, unmerited. And the Bible makes it very clear that by our own deeds, by our own efforts, by our, we cannot save ourselves, we cannot rescue ourselves, we cannot, we cannot be reconciled to God on our own, by our own merit. And the message of the Bible is that while we cannot save ourselves from eternal torment and punishment for our sin, God can and will save sinners through faith in Christ. At the same time that we're alienated from God, the Bible tells us that even though He hates us and hates our sin, at the same time a holy God loves. While we were yet sinners, died for us, made a way. Psalm 3.8 says, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Grace. And Peter will address this all throughout his letter, letter, 1 Peter 2.24, he'll say that Christ bore our sins. Why? Because we needed to be saved from our sins. 1 Peter 3.18, that, that same thing. 1 Peter 4.17, 1 Peter 5.8, grace. If we are honest, we have a hard time grasping grace. Why? Because we don't tend to relate to one another based on grace. We tend toward law. We tend towards, hey, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. If there's something where I see you can return the favor, those are the people we tend to serve. We tend to not give at our own expense, expecting nothing in return. Grace. And what Peter says here is that we have been saved by grace, that, that the Old Testament prophets, even the angels have searched into this. God's amazing grace, that in God's grace, salvation would be offered. And that ought to amaze us. I mean, all week I just kept thinking about that song, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace. Ama you, we ought to be amazed at grace. We ought to be amazed and wonder at a God who would do what this God has done. In crucifying His Son... Great grace, Peter is going to use this word ten times. We said the key verse, 1 Peter 5, 12, stand firm in God's grace. Everything that Peter tells us throughout this whole book is traced back to grace, even our own salvation. Peter makes very careful uh, approach to make sure that we understand it is by grace. And this grace is not a license to live however you want to live. It's not a license to, to do whatever you want to do. It's not a license to just say, hey, I've got, this, I've got this wild card called salvation in my back pocket. And I'll live however I want to live. And when I, get to, when I die and get to heaven, I'll just pull out this card. No, no, that's not grace. That's not a proper appropriation of grace at the very least. Grace doesn't free us to sin. Grace frees us from sin. Frees us to love God in a way that we never loved before. We could never have loved. Grace. 
It does for us what we could have never done for ourselves. You see it on the handout. Grace is undeserved favor from God towards sinners that allows us to stand firm in our identity. It allows us to put sin to death, but death to sin rather. And to face whatever we face, no matter what, grace allows us to stand firm. We didn't earn it, therefore we can't lose it. And God's grace means this, that there is hope for every single sinner, no matter how great your sin. Romans 5.20, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. The good news is this, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. There is grace and mercy and forgiveness to cover, to wash out whatever sins, whatever amount of sin or stains there are due to sin in your life. Listen, grace abounds. Grace abounds. The only thing that keeps people from experiencing God's grace is their pride that tells them that they're a good person, that they don't need grace, that they don't need to repent. There's grace. If we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us. No matter the sin... Grace trumps. And, and listen, God is worthy of praise due to His amazing grace, listen, no matter what we're facing. And again, First Peter, these, these individuals, these believers, were, were suffering because of their faith. And we stand, even in the midst of suffering, as children of God, we stand in a privileged position. Might we simply, as Bradley said, just trust our Heavenly Father, that He's good. That, that He trusts. That we're, we're looking back at a completed act. Even that is grace. And, and that leads to what He says next, that you see it be our salvation is great, not only because it's built on grace, our salvation is great because it's fulfilled prophecy. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Again, things to which the angels long to look. I mean, how sweet is it, how precious is it that we're looking back at something that's been completed? There's a difference looking back at something that's been completed versus looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet. I, I'm a sports guy. I think, about, I think about a game. You know, when I'm watching a, a Florida State football game and I know the outcome, they could be down, not to be, in, not to be rude, but they could be down 31-3 in the fourth quarter. I know they're going to come back. For those of you who are Florida State Gator fans, you got that subtle joke. Betting courts. It's been nice knowing y'all. I'm teasing. But you know, it's different when you watch a game and you know the outcome. Teams down, fourth and 17. If I'm watching it live time, it's chaotic, it's stressful. You don't want to be around the Basham household. But if I know the outcome, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Peter is literally saying, look, how firm 
ought it make us in our faith? And we're looking back at a completed historical point in time that's true. The Old Testament prophets, they made careful search and inquiry as they sought to know what time or person or circumstance that the Spirit of Christ was indicating in the sense that he, God would send the Savior, He would send the Messiah, He would send the Lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And Peter is saying the salvation that you and I have received today is the very thing that these men looked for. The very thing that they searched for. Who is this Christ? Who is this Christ? Who is this Messiah? Who is this Lamb of God who would be slaughtered? Isaiah 53. Who is this? It's Christ. Peter is saying again to a group who are suffering, stand firm knowing that your salvation rests in fulfilled prophecy. It's, it rests in the one to whom the, your fathers long to see, look forward to seeing. In Matthew 13, of verse 16, Jesus says, But blessed are your eyes. This was just after a, a quotation of, of Old Testament prophecy in, in Isaiah where they would, they would not see and they would be blind. And he says in response, But blessed are your eyes because they see. And blessed are your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. They longed to see what we see. They, they long to, to live in a time where we live. I mean, I thought about this as I was traveling this week. Just to, just to put in my, in my little teeny carry-on all 66 books of the Bible bound that I could read at any time. Even that. The privileged day and time that we live in by God's grace. And yet, they still walked by faith, even though they didn't see. We saw that last week. They still walked by faith, no matter the circumstance. That's the parallel that Peter is saying to his readers and audience and you and I. It's faith in the completed work of Jesus Christ. No matter what you face, no matter what you see, no matter what you don't see, look at the cross. Understand the privileged position. And all throughout the Old Testament, the Scriptures predicted a future day of deliverance that would come through Christ, and it has come. God was faithful. Peter is writing to, again, he's writing to these sufferers. He's, he's writing to you and I and saying, let that fuel your faith that no matter how long it took, no matter what it cost, God was faithful to do what He said He would do. He says, let that fuel your faith. Let that empower and guide whatever it is you're facing. God is faithful. He, Christ is God's work of redemption for His sinful creation. He, he is exactly who was promised in Genesis 3.15. All throughout the Old Testament. They're looking to Christ. Galatians 3.24 says the law itself was a tutor to lead you to Christ, to point you to Christ he is the pinnacle. Everything was pointing to Christ. He is the perfect prophet. He is the perfect king. He's the perfect mediator. All of those things. He's the perfect sacrifice. All of that Old Testament stuff that you read, all pointing to Christ. Peter is saying, do you understand the privileged position and day and time that we live in, that we see the completeness of God's fulfilled prophecy? 
Jesus himself, again, he, he speaks to this in, in well, there's multiple verses. You can write down Acts 3.18 as well. We might, we might get to that one. John 5, for instance. John 5.39, listen to what Jesus says. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. Jesus is saying, you know, who the, you know who the pinnacle, the point is? You know who these scriptures testify about? They testify about me. Look at verse 46. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Jesus, Jesus is it in Acts 3, 18. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. He's done it. Verse 24, likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward announced these days. And you know what? God did it in Christ. He was faithful in Christ. He was faithful to make a way by grace through Christ. The fulfiller, Matthew 5 says, the fulfiller of the law. Please, what Peter is saying is please grasp the privileged position you and I share today, believer, and apply that to whatever it is you're going through. And I don't minimize what we're going through. I don't minimize a stroke. I don't minimize the death of spouse. I don't minimize any of this cancer. All that we're going through, I'm not minimizing. I'm saying let let this penetrate that. And understand that we serve a God who is faithful. And understand that your salvation, my salvation, if you're a believer, is so marvelous of a reality that the Old Testament prophets, they spent their whole lives trying to grasp it, trying to seek it. He says they searched diligently. That's how awesome it is. And and Peter is saying, understand the greatness of your salvation. Just note how desperately the prophets wanted to understand it the way that you and I can understand it today. The godly men of the Old Testament, the the choice servants of God who who penned the very Scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of the coming Messiah, the Lamb who would save the world from their sin. The, The reality, the reality, that salvation history, it's consummated in Christ says they made careful search. That is a, an intense word. It literally means they diligently sought it out. And Peter is saying, you and I today dig in to what it means to be saved. You dig in just the way they dug in. And be in awe. The word there is be so awed by your salvation that you'd stand firm in grace no matter what. That you would stand firm no matter what. I mean, if you don't quite grasp it, you're in good company because neither did they. Even in Second Peter, listen to what he writes about Paul. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you, so as also in all of his letters, speaking in them these things, in which some things are hard to understand. You ever read Paul's letters and thought, that's complicated? You're in good company. Go read in Romans 9 through 11 this afternoon, and I want you to explain to me exactly, word for word, every single thing Paul means, and I want you to do it, clear it up. Peter says, it's complicated. But be amazed. 
that, that you're a child, if you have placed your faith in Christ, repented of your sin, here's what Peter says, be amazed. Stand in awe of your salvation. The same way, you, to same way today as you did that very first day. Be amazed. Dig deeper. Every single day, dig deeper into what it means to be a child of God. Dig deeper into this character of your God. Dig deeper into the Word. Every day that you would be all the more sure... Dig. In the midst of your doubts, in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your questions, listen, if you don't understand what you're going through and why you're in good company, read the Word. Read the Psalms. A lot of Psalms where they just did, they did not grasp that what is going on here. And yet, here's what they clung to, the faithfulness of God. Here's what they clung to, their identity as the people of God, as a child of God. That's what they clung to. They stood firm in that grace. Even 2 Peter 2, I mean 2 Peter 1.19, Peter writes, We have the prophetic word made more sure. Think about that. You and I today, where we stand, the privileged position we stand in, we can go to the Old Testament and we immediately can connect it to Christ. We have the prophetic word made more sure. And you see it, our salvation is great because it fulfills what was predicted throughout the Old Testament. This wasn't an accident, it wasn't a let's scramble to fix it. No, no, Micah prophesied about it, Isaiah prophesied about it, Jeremiah prophesied about it, Genesis 3.15 prophesied about it. Doesn't matter where you go in the Old Testament, you know who it screams? Look to Christ. Look to Christ. And you and I are privileged in that we're looking back and seeing over 300, just Christ alone, over 300 fulfilled prophecies simply with regard to Christ. And we see them fulfilled. Understand the privilege of that. Understand the privilege of that, especially when you're suffering. The Old Testament writers, they foresaw a time of fulfillment during, during the eight, which grace... And power and the presence of God would permanently dwell in believers. And you and I live in that day, believer. Permanent dwelling. Ephesians 1.13 says you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That, that word is literally a stamp of ownership. Sealed. I mean, in the midst of a, of a covenant that is, that is secured by the very blood of the one who offered it, Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36. Understand the privilege that you and I hold today as believers, that we know that the promised one is Christ. We're looking back at a recorded historical event that has occurred. They were looking forward to something that had not occurred. But, but beyond that, even Peter is saying, see the continuity of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That, that, there, that the New Testament builds on the Old Testament. If you took away the New Testament quotes and the, the Old Testament quotes in the New Testament, you'd have almost nothing left. Why? Because the whole point is that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. There's continuity there. He did not just come out of nowhere. Stand in amazement of that. Privileged to see the fulfillment of what had been promised long ago. 
And we have a perspective on redemption and on the redemptive plan of God, a salvation through Jesus Christ that is greater in, a, in that sense than any Old Testament prophet or even the angels above. To experience God's grace in ways that were only mysterious to them and you and I stand in that day. I mean, even I thought about this week uh, as I was Romans fifteen four and and just the 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 blessedness of of the the privilege he says Paul says in Romans fifteen four whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Whatever you're facing, go to the scriptures and find hope. Whatever you're, search, whatever you're dealing with, go to the Scriptures, find hope. Questions, suffering, listen, you're in good company, find hope. Go to the Word and be assured that Jesus Christ is who He says He is. It doesn't matter what your high school professor says. It doesn't matter what your college professor says. It doesn't matter what your co-worker says. Listen to me. The, what does the Word of God say? We have the prophetic word made more sure. Are you going to trust this or are you going to trust him? Faith. Faith. And we stand privileged in that. But not only, not only is our salvation great because of grace, not only is it great because of the prophetic word made more sure, our salvation is great in the, because even the angels are amazed by it. Think about that. I read a quote by uh, Timothy Keller. That that I, it's in a it's in a book written by J. D. Greer. L- listen to what Timothy Keller says about verse twelve. One of the most startling passages passages in the Bible to me connects the magnificent of angels with the mystery of the gospel. Angels are incredibly majestic and powerful beings living in God's eternal presence. Yet there is something that has happened on earth which is so stupendous that even these immortal beings experience the persistent longing to look into these things. That's what Peter says in verse 12 he's referring to. What are these things that could possibly and consistently consume the attention of God-fixated creatures? The answer is the gospel. The angels never get tired of looking into the gospel. This means that there is no end to the gospel exploration. There are depths in the gospel that are always there to be discovered and applied, not only to our ministry and daily Christian life, but above all to the worship of God, the worship of the God of the gospel with renewed vision and humility. Think about that. Every day there is something to be dug into, something to be mined with regards to the character and the greatness and the awesomeness, not only of our salvation, but the awesomeness of the God who would author that salvation and follow through in that salvation. Doesn't matter how many seminary degrees you have or if you've been saved for one day. Listen, plumb the depths of the gospel. Plumb the depths of the Word of God and be encouraged. Peter's point, and I think Timothy Keller hit on it, if angels get excited about the gospel, are amazed at the gospel, if they cannot stay, keep quit from standing in awe and amazement of, the, of the God's redemption of sinners through the gospel, what does that say to you and I? 
How does that, what does that say to you and I about how we ought to approach the Word of God every day in amazement and awe and humility, just trying to understand the awesomeness of a God that would author this gospel? Contrary to every other gospel, if you will, that's out there in, in false religions. Work, 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 do good, do good, do good, hope you've earned enough, hope you've merited enough favor, and when the end, we'll find out. That's what every other false religion offers. Work, 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 work. And yet here we stand in the midst of a gospel who says finished, completed. I did it on your, on your behalf. That, that's weird. Grace, let's be honest, grace is weird. Why? Because we don't really, we don't comprehend it. Grace. That God's redemption of sinners, amazing grace in that. If angels long to look at the work of God, how much more you and I? Now, you start to grasp why Peter could say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be amazed. Marvel that you are a recipient of God's amazing grace. Marvel at the fact that He calls you His child. Marvel that you're adopted. Seek to better understand that. That's what Peter is saying. In other words, you know, again, dig into it. I, I think Peter is saying, you see it on your handout, feel the gratitude and wonder of your salvation. Gratitude and wonder. The, the greatness of your salvation. It affects our worship of God. It, it affects how we live our lives Again, rejoicing always, even in our trials. Why? Because we have a God who has guaranteed our salvation and our inheritance and who has given us an identity and adoption and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And matter of fact, I, in what I'm doing through you and in you, I'm actually completing something in you. That, that we would simply say, we trust our Father. We trust our Father. And what Peter is saying to us is no matter what happens in life, we have to focus on salvation and be in awe of God's grace. When, when everything in life is not the way we would like for it to be, go back to the gospel, go back to your identity as God's people, go back to your blessedness of your eternal salvation. That's the theme of 3 through 12. Worship God no matter what. God is still worthy to be praised. Why? Because He has saved us and it ushered us into so great a salvation. He's worthy. Amazing grace. Everything that we see here is to point back to the Lord with praise and awe and wonder at grace. Understand as best we can the privileged time that we live in. And I think as far as application, uh, just to help us on a couple, I, 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 in all my messages, I want the Holy Spirit to teach you to guide you. But I do, want, I, do want to, I do want to give us a couple of encouragements here real quick, and it's this. Do not neglect the Old Testament. Do not neglect the Old Testament. I'm grateful that probably 99% of the time that Lee reads in the mornings, you know what he reads out of? The Old Testament. So many of us neglect the Old Testament. It's too hard to understand. I don't get... Listen, until we understand the Old Testament, we will not rightly understand the New we will not rightly appreciate Christ if we do not grasp the Old Testament. 
mean, two Wednesdays ago, we looked on Wednesday night at Leviticus. Go to Leviticus 15 and 16 and look at what the Day of Atonement looked like. And imagine doing that year after year after year and day after day. And yet we have that fulfillment in Christ. He was the perfect Lamb of God, sacrificed once and for all. Understand the Old Testament. Do not neglect the Old Testament. But, but secondly, apply yourself di- diligently to understand the Bible altogether. I mean, think about this just for a second, just as a point. If I asked you to raise your hand if you opened up the Word of God and studied it five times this week, seriously studied it five days this week, I wonder who would raise their hand. Statistics say about 8% of you would. Basically, this row right here, Bill and Tammy and their friends, and Josh and Esther, Mark. Mark, right? Yeah. If if it's not your name, just just, yeah, that's it. Peter says they were encouraged because they diligently inquired. They diligently studied the Scriptures. We saw in Romans 15, 4, we have the Scriptures that we would have hope. To neglect the Scriptures is to neglect our hope, is to deprive ourselves of hope. It's to deprive ourselves of the blessing of standing firm on grace. To understand the grace. Listen, you and I know the answer is Christ. That's a privilege. We look at a historically, an historical event that has occurred. And yet, we, we can comprehend what they felt because we're also looking forward in faith to something that has not yet occurred. Do you see the parallel? We know we have the prophetic word made more, made more sure, and yet we are, by faith, waiting for the full redemption. But look to Christ. Understand the privilege. Listen, when, when your work seems irrelevant, when, when God seems distant, when, when pain seems to overshadow blessing, when you are confused... Fix your eyes and your mind on Christ and the finished work of the gospel and the fact that you, believer, have been saved by grace and be in awe of that. Join with the prophets, join with the angels and gaze at the gospel in amazement. Christ has come. Redemption has been made possible through Christ. Salvation is a completed work. Look to Christ, just as in the wilderness when the snake was biting them. You know what they had to do? They had to look to Moses. They had to look to that staff being held up high. Look to Christ. In faith, look to Christ. Faith grows, you see it, faith grows in one place, the cross. Dig deeper into the gospel in amazement of our salvation. We demand answers and God gives revelation. Look at the cross. Does God love you? Look at the cross. Can God make good from bad things? Look at the cross. Is God for you and not against you? Look at the cross. Can there be hope when it seems that all hope is lost? Look at the cross. Are you confused by what you see around you sometimes? Look at the cross. Every single writer is telling you, look at the cross. Peter right here is saying, look at the cross, the finished work of God. Stare deeply. Marvel 
be in awe of the cross. Be, be in awe of your identity. And I pray that no matter what we could, whatever we face, we could say, Dad, I trust you. And I know you're doing it for my good. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, you don't, not sure you're a believer, look at the cross. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. No matter, no matter what sin is in your life, grace is more. There's grace to cover it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at the cross. If you're here and you're a believer, keep looking at the cross. Be like the writer of Hebrews, fixing our eyes on Jesus in Hebrews 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising its shame. And when He had finished, He did what? He sat down at the right hand of the Father. It's done. It's finished. Look at the cross.